Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing sermon for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook, grab a pen, and get ready to hear of the more that God has for us. Great to be together this morning, you are well done for braving the elements and coming out in the, in the cold, but lovely to be together. The Lord's presence is here, and where His presence is, things change, things happen. Um, so very excited to share God's Word with you. Um, I work for an organization that's, that's been around for a long time, um, and they've got this thing called Long Service Awards. So it's a big deal where I work, if you, the longer you stick around, the, the more it's celebrated. So they have different categories, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and then the the, the final one is the 40-year Long Service Award. And our, basically our CEO flies in from wherever he's, he is and comes in and hands us award. They get a whole pile of money. And this is a huge deal. I mean, for us, us youngsters and those that are sort of still finding their way in the professional world, to work for the same organization, organization for 40 years seems unfathomable. I mean, just to work for the same place for six months feels like a long time. Um, but I'd like to introduce you to a, a guy on the screen. His name is John. Um, and this was a true story. I've, I've edited his photo a little bit so you wouldn't recognize him. It would be a bit awkward if you had to listen to this, this sermon a bit later. But I, I came in from Joburg, moved to the Saldana, um, and he, was, he reported to me, an engineer who had been in the organization. He got his long service 40-year award, and he was there for a very long time. Um, he walked in there. He has this hot shot from Santon coming down to Saldana. And the first thing he said to me was, what do you know about work study? Work study is was part of how you measure people's efficiency and working speed. And I said, I know nothing about it. So he grumpily went back into his desk and got a textbook and slammed it on my desk and said, well, you better start reading, boy. Um, <laughs> and it, it, was, it was a very difficult relationship. It, it really was. He, he had been there for so long. He just got more and more difficult, got upset, got grumpy, got disillusioned with himself, with the organization, with everybody, and he eventually left. He left, and nobody wants to really talk to him or work with him or, or be with him or, or give him a call. The, the reality is that he got stuck. He got stuck where he was. He got stuck in the organization. It's good to have good careers. It's good even to be in the same organization for a long time, but my friend John got stuck. He got stuck in his thinking. He got stuck in his attitude. He just got more and more bitter and angry and difficult, and eventually he was just a hazard to, to anybody who came in contact with him. Um, and I wonder, we probably all know people like that. Eh? We all know people that have got a bit stuck in their life. They maybe had all the potential, all the hopes and dreams, all the everything lined up, and they just got stuck. They just got stuck where they were. Um, and maybe to bring it home to us all here, where, where are you stuck? Where are you stuck? Um, my wife and I, we've got two little champions running around. Um, but we, we, we tried for a long time to have kids, and we felt stuck for a long time. Not, not so much stuck in not having able to have a child, but just stuck in our thinking. And it just got, it just got negative. And we, being stuck is just being somewhere where you are and not wanting to be there anymore and not, wanting to know, not knowing how to get to the next place. You're just being, being stuck. I think we can all, all relate that on some level. So my sermon this morning is entitled Unstuck. Unstuck. So just if you here this morning and on some level, in some way, in some area of your life, maybe it's a current relationship, maybe it's a past relationship that just, it's, you're stuck in that. You can't move forward. You don't know how to move forward. This morning, we're going to get unstuck. So we're going to look at, at the Word. We're going to look at the Bible. We're going to look at God's teaching to say, how do we move from being stuck in an area 
to being unstuck. And I really want to dive in together with you. I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. The sermon's it's actually for me. You just get to share it all together. Um, but we're going to dive into God's Word. So we're going to read, if you want to turn there so long, it's Numbers 14, verses 26 to 30. And just we've been preaching through the book of Exodus, um, a great story about the Israelite community that got taken out of slavery. The, the mandate to Moses at the right at the beginning was twofold. Take my people out of slavery and take them into the promised land. Take them out and take them in. And we pick up the story is they're in the wilderness. They've been taken out of slavery. They're in the wilderness. They've hit a few wobbles. They've had a few issues with their attitude. Um, they've ran out of water, which was a big story. But there's, there's promise of this promised land. They would have been talking about this land flowing with milk and honey, had everything that they could ever have hoped for. They could, they could plant crops. They could grow, they could grow their, their life. Well, their livestock could grow there. They could have families. They could live in freedom. And then this happens. This happens. Numbers 14, verse 20 to 30. If you, want to, if you don't have your Bible, you can turn your eyes to the screen. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home. Not one of you will go into the promised land. I mean, it's, it's shocking. It's, they estimate there are about 2 million people at that stage. The Lord's basically saying, all of you are going to die in the wilderness. It's, I mean, it's drastic. All of you are going to get stuck in the wilderness and you're going to die in your stuckness. It's, it's shocking. And just what kind of leading up to this critical moment in, in the story, um, Moses sends out 12 spies to go into the promised land. He, send a, he sends them out for 40 days to go and have a look at this, this new countryside, this new promised land. And they come back with this report, is that it's wonderful. It's amazing. It's everything that we hoped and dreamed for and more. And the ten and ten of them, but ten of them grumble to say, but there are these giants. There are things, there are these armies, there are these people, they are they are huge, they're heads and tall heads and shoulders taller than us, and we can't defeat them. And basically the people grumble, the people get upset, they're talking about stoning Moses, they talk about how could you have led us into this wilderness? They just get angry, get upset, and this is the response from the Lord to say, Because of your grumbling, because of your moaning, because of where you are, because you're going to die in your stuckness. You're going to die in the wilderness. But there is hope. Don't, don't fear. Because it says, the title says, then the scriptures on to say, except, except, except for Caleb and Joshua. Except for two people. Of two million people living in the desert, two, two people got to see the promised land. That's one in a million children. We've got one person here for 900,990. Oh, I said it so many times last night, but you got nine, 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 nine people on this side. I, I, was, I was sure I was going to nail it this morning. Anyway, and one person on this side. I'm not a fancy crypto trader like Luke Hahn there, so I don't deal with these big numbers, these millions. Um, but you got these, these millions, literally millions of people that are dying and in the wilderness because of their moaning and grumbling, and one at two people that make it into the promised land. So why? 
what set them apart? If you, if you have a look at the screen, I want to show you a photograph. Um, this is taken from World War II. I mean, this is years ago, before, before any of us were alive. But Nazi Germany, everyone doing the, the Hitler salute. And there's one character there. I mean, I don't know if he's maybe, maybe he was a bit ADHD. He wasn't paying attention. But, um, but he, he's, not, he's not doing it. He's, he's going against the grain. He's going against the flow. He's, he's not saluting Hitler as he drove past in his entourage. And that's the reality. So easily we can look at the story and say, yeah, of course, you know, of course God is going to answer their prayers. But in, re in the reality, a million people grumbling and moaning, and you're going to be the one to say, I don't agree. We, we can take this land. So we need to look at, I think we need to pay attention of what, what did the life of Joshua, and we'll get to Caleb just now, but what did the life of Joshua look like that was different to everybody else? What set him apart that he was able to get unstuck? And that's the reality. He was able to take these people into the promised land, take his family into the promised land, raise his children there for generations to come, not dying in his stuckness in the, in the wilderness. Um, he was an assistant to Moses. He was a bit of a fighter as well. So he was a, he was a brawler. That's a true story. Moses, Exodus 17, Moses wants to go and defeat the Amalekites. Um, and he sends, out, he sends out Joshua. He Basically, Moses stands there with his arms in the air praying, like good prayers do, and sends out the, the, the ruffian there, Joshua, to go, and, um, to go and sort out the enemy. But there's this pivotal moment, and this is where we picked up the story, is these 12 spies going, going in. And I always remember reading the text and going through it, and I remember it was Caleb and Joshua were the 12 spies that went, I mean, if you have heard the story before, it would ring a bell. And then I looked at the, I read my Bible preparing for, for this, this Sunday, and I read, so it's from the tribe of Reuben, Simeon, Judah, and then th those are their names. Caleb, I saw Caleb, okay, I know him, go through it, read it again. And I don't, didn't see Joshua. I, was, <laughs> I really, I just thought maybe my theology was a bit whack or they didn't tell us the Bible story correctly or there was one out of the 12. But where's, where's Joshua? And he's not on the list. He's not on the list. And then we can go to the next slide here. So Hosea, that is, that is Joshua. Um, and then there's this, there's this subtext. Or it's actually written in brackets on the, on the next slide. We can go to that one here. Um, it says, these are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. And in brackets, the little side note, Moses gave Hosea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. So Bible, in biblical terms, when there's a name change, it's quite significant. Um, Saul, the persecutor, becomes Paul. Uh, Paul, the apostle. Abraham becomes Abraham, the father of many nations. And here, Moses renames Joshua. And if we just look at the meaning of those names, Hosea means salvation, or it means, it can also mean the desire for salvation. In those days, you, salvation would have been a familiar concept to the people, is that they wanted to be liberated, they wanted to be saved, they wanted to be, they wanted to be free, they wanted to be unstuck. Um, so they would name their child salvation, or desire for salvation, and Moses renames Hosea to Joshua, which means God is our salvation. He resets, he resets things in Joshua's life because he sees something in Joshua that signifies the liberation of the people. He sees something in him. He sees traits in Joshua that says, you encompass God is our salvation. You are the person that's going to take us forward. And it's this, this shifting point in Joshua's life. And the whole, the whole people of Israel, as Joshua comes back from the promised land and says, we can take this country. We can take we can take this land. So what, what was it? And before, before I get into the real practical 
things um, of the sermon. I want to I want us to mind the gap. I don't know how many of you have been to the UK or, or been on the on the subway. There's this there's this ringtone going all the, all the time. It's to mind the gap, mind the gap. And basically, there's there's the the subway or the tubes would come. They would come past, and there's a platform, and there's this gap in between, and it's about the right size for a a small child or a big cat to fall into, um, and and what they keep what they keep saying is mind the gap, mind the gap, mind the gap. You don't as you step from your platform onto the train, you don't want to fall into the gap because I mean there's all sorts of liability issues there. But besides that, they don't want people to get hurt, and that's I just want to encourage us this morning. Let's mind the gap, mind the gap between looking at Joshua and his life and this courageous warrior, the Israelites, people dying in the desert. And me, where I am, in my issues and my uncertainties and my struggling relationships and my hurt and my brokenness and my depression and all the things that I'm struggling with, we need to mind the gap. So I want to just say, let's get across that gap together. Let's go across it to say, let's look at Joshua's life and then let's bring it, bring it home. Let's make it super practical in terms of how, what does that mean for you? How do we get unstuck? How do we move forward in our lives into what God has called us to. And I'd like to do that by, by talking about two things. The one is a, a mountain and the other is a tent. I don't know, how, how many of you are campers here? Love camping. Love it. How many of you hate camping? Hate it. Ah, oh, there we go. See the horns there. Strong, strong hand in the back. Um, but that's, I don't know, either, either love it or hate it. Eh? Um, we used to enjoy camping until we had kids and we haven't quite braved it, braved it since then. Um, but so we've got so there's a mountain and a tent, um, and these are, were strong symbols within the Israelite community. The mountain was Mount Sinai, where God's presence would come and meet with God's people. They, basically, they talk about the mountain would shake, and Moses many times would go up the mountain to meet with the Lord. That was a, it was a very symbolic, but also Moses got the Ten Commandments up there. A lot happened on that mountain. Um, and he would come down and give the people instruction for what the Lord said. And then there was a tent, too. They, were, they called it the tent of meeting. So Gabe preached a great sermon on the, on the tent of meeting and what that looked like practically. But it's basically on the outskirts of the, um, of the community. And that's where the Lord's presence dwelt. And they said Moses would speak to the Lord face to face, as, one would, as a friend would speak to another in that tent of meeting. So it was a very holy place. And these were basically the two places that people could meet with the Lord. I mean, it was, it was only for a reserved few, but the Lord's presence would be in the mountain and it would be at the tent of meeting. And in Exodus, our friend Joshua doesn't feature very much in, in reality in the story of Exodus. I mean, he comes into, his, he's got a book named after him, so he definitely finds his groove a bit later. Um, but in the book of Exodus, it's, it's not, there's not a lot about him, but there's some subnotes, there's some subtext, like, like the renaming. Um, and one of them is that when Moses set out to the up Mount Sinai, he was with his aide, Joshua. Joshua was there with him on the mountain. And then secondly, Exodus 33, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. This is in the tent of meeting. Then Moses would return to the camp. After being in the tent of meeting, he would go back to the camp. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. He didn't leave. So there's just, there's something about Joshua that wherever the presence of God was, he was. Wherever the presence of God dwelled, Joshua, you would just, you would find a way to get there. 
he would find a way to work his way into it, to, to work his way into the, into the, the circumstances. Um, also, uh, such a beautiful parable in Luke, well, not parable, actually a real story, Luke 15, verse 17 to 39. It starts off with, the power of the Lord was there to heal. Jesus was in a house, and these friends bring in a paralyzed man, basically a man stuck, physically physically stuck, brought him in, and they can't, they can't get in, they can't get into the house, they can't get into too many crowds, and they find a way into his presence, they basically lower the friend down, they open the roof up, open the whole roof, lower the friend down, you can imagine what that was like, and Jesus touches him and heals him, in the same way Joshua, not happy to take things on face value, wanted the presence of God more than anything else, and stepped into that, got stuck into the presence of God. And fortunately for us, we don't need to climb a mountain to get onto the presence, because I don't think Gabe would make it up Table Mountain. Um, but the presence of God is, is available to us. It is. It's, we, because of what Christ did on the cross, He broke, He tore the veil, and the presence of God is available to us. But what I want to charge us with this morning is that it still means and still looks like something to get into His presence. There's still action needed on our part to step into his presence but his presence it's not going to happen just us sitting and watching netflix every night his presence comes and we are experience his presence when we lean into it when we trust him when we when we push into what god has for us um, and god's presence the reality is we i mean during a incredible time of worship god's presence was here and in his presence things change people change we change as we go into the life. And that's Joshua, that's what happened. I, I really do, as I really think, as he spent time in God's presence, his perspective changed. He saw things differently. He saw himself differently. When he went in to go inspire the land and to go look what was happening in the land, he would see the giants differently because of what he had experienced in God's presence. We we get changed. We see ourselves differently. The presence of God drives out fear, drives out fear in our lives that we are able to take what God has called us to, take the, those giants. So I just want to encourage you this morning as we, as we talk about going from stuck to unstuck. That is the key ingredient for me. That is the key, the key element is being and finding ourselves in God's presence, not escaping because it's too sore, or it's too painful. We all have a tendency to escape. You know, we want to escape from our current reality, whatever that looks like. I mean, it may look like different things for different people, but we, we want to get away. You know, this, this sucks. I don't want to be here, so I'm going to escape. I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to have that conversation. I'm not going to try to fix that relationship. I'm not going to do these things. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to get away. I'm just going to run, or I'm just going to tap out, or whatever it is. And that's, that's what we do. But I think what God is calling us to this, this morning as a people is to be people of his presence. And as we, as we stay in his presence through reading his word, through community like this, through doing life together with others, things change and we, and we change. Um, so interesting also just as kind of reading through the text, it was interesting the, the sort of journey of, of Joshua, he, he picks up speed, I mean, there's no doubt, as he goes, as he goes and, and picks up courage, but as the 12 spies come back, the 10, the 10 give their report, and basically very, everyone gets very upset, and they're talking about stoning, stoning Moses, and the, the response doesn't come from Joshua at that time, it comes, it comes from Caleb, 
And I just, I wondered why that would be. Joshua, in a sense, he's a bit of the hero of the story. I mean, it's Moses obviously doing his thing, but there's this understudy, there's the aide, there's the, the warrior that's busy coming through the ranks, Joshua. And, uh, and Caleb, but Caleb, in the moment, he's the one with faith. He's the one that challenges the people. Say, so this is basically what I said, the Caleb silenced the people before him. Silenced two million people. I mean, that wasn't from just talking, that's sending a tweet, you know. If you silence two million people, You've got to do something. You've got to stand on a rock or do something. Um, And said, we should go up and take the possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. And my encouragement to you this morning, and uh, we spoke about it at Life Group on Wednesday night. Somebody phrased it so well to say, find your Caleb. For Joshua, I honestly believe Joshua needed a Caleb in that moment. He needed somebody to charge him, to stir him with faith to push him into more of what God, God has for him. We need to be able to lean into what God has for us. And when we are struggling, or I don't know, Joshua is very quiet, so we're not sure why or what the reason was, but we need those people that can push us into God's presence. I had a friend um, as I was going through university and kind of just after high school, and we just we were happened to be in the same church circles, and we decided we were going to pray together once a week once a week, every, every, I think it was a Monday morning, for, and we ended up just starting and doing it for seven or eight years. Just every, every once a week, we'd get together and pray. Just, how's it going? Pray with whatever was happening and pray together. And that's, that's so, it's so important to have people that are in your circle that are pushing you into what God is calling you to, not pushing you into something else. There's something, uh, there's a great quote that says, show me your friends and I'll show you my, I'll show you your future. Show, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Who, who do you have, who has influence in your life? Who is able to speak into your life? Is it the right people? Is it the people that are going to point you towards being unstuck? Or is it the people that are going to draw you back into, into things that you, you know you need to be set free from? Um, and a great way to do that too is life group. Life group, just getting super practical in terms of meeting together. We had a fantastic, I see some of the faces from our life group on Wednesday, a fantastic time on Wednesday of meeting together, hearing each other's stories, just talking practically about what it means to have faith together, to be in community together. And that's, a, that's an important part of being unstuck. We recently planted two life groups too, Kenneth and Tia um, in Milton, and for the Lonnies in West Beach to Jared and Keisha. Um, <laughs> I think there's a, there's a, there's a requirement. So you've got to fill out a form if you want to, if you want to get, get in there at West Beach. Um, but they're, they're very nice. They're, also, they're, they're, they're very nice, very nice. But, um, but the, so we've just planted two new life groups. And it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to get involved in community and just and get in each other's homes, get into each other's lives. And I really, part, a big part of being unstuck is a realization that you can't do it on your own. You need other people that are going to point you towards God, what God has in store for you. And then just finally, as we kind of, as we bring this, as we bring this in, is get going. Get going with the Lord's presence. I want to read from Joshua 1, verse, verse, one, verse 1 to 6. It says, after the, de- after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of, Mun, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so 
I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to the ancestors to give to them. And my encouragement this morning is move with the presence of God. A lot of not being stuck, being unstuck, is moving, taking a step. As we feel the Lord charging us, as we feel the Lord challenging you to more in whatever area you find yourself stuck in, move, do something, rely on Jesus to give you the strength and move into that. I remember so well my my wife and I, we've been on a a long journey to get to where we are now, to get to being the happily married couple we are now. Um, But we, we, when we were youngsters, we, we, we dated for a while um, and then we broke up. We were, we were young and we were doing our, we were just, we were just young Um, and we were fought a lot and we saw the world completely differently. And then we were apart for four years, four, four years in the wilderness, if you want to call it that. Um, (laughs) <laughs> it lasted 40, we did four. Um, and I just, somewhere along those, those four years, I just felt, I just, there's something dropped deep within me that I wanted to marry Amy. I wanted to be with her. I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. It just, it settled, it settled for me. Um, but as you know, as we go our different ways, things, we go our different ways. You know, I was seeing somebody else. Amy was seeing somebody else as well. I mean, he was, he was a bit of a pipsqueak, but Amy was, was seeing him. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. Sorry, 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 sorry. No, I've, I've let it go. I've let it go. It's all gone. It's all gone. It's no resentment there. Nothing, nothing to see. Yeah, nothing to see. Nothing to see. Um, but I, I just remember. I remember knowing, knowing what the promised land was—a life with Amy and and us being married. But I also, I've, I asked the Lord every day. It was probably about two years. I asked the Lord every day: Is it the right time? Is it the right time to 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 make contact again. It's the right time to start again. I just, and I felt these no's all the time. No's, 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 For a long time. Until one day, one day, I asked the Lord again, and the answer was yes. And it was yes. And I, I gave, I looked up on Facebook, like, like all of all us uh, normal stalkers do. Um, <laughs> and and, and got, uh, got in contact with her. And it, I mean, we, if you want to come to our place for dinner, we can tell you the detailed story. But there was... There was a window, and, and it was incredible how the Lord's timing worked in our lives to, to, to answer a, a prayer and for us to be together. So I just want to encourage you, there's, as we get unstuck, as we move, we trust the Lord in His timing and His timing. Remember, I was staying in Longabon as well and just feeling like we need to move. The Lord is calling us to move geographically, and that can be important too. As we, as we move together as a community of people, we're stepping into something new. There's, when things happen in the, in the ordinary, things shift spiritually too. And we're just very excited about what the new building has for us and has in store for us. But in your stuckness, whatever that looks like, the Lord is with you in that. He says he will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous and move, move. Make a change. Step into what God has for you. Um, one of the most encouraging stories that I've, I've been exposed to in, in, in many years is the story of Melissa. Um, she's here, and I've, I did chat to her before. She, she was fine that I shared her story. But um, Amy and I met uh, her husband and, um, and Melissa online. We met them a few years back. It was, it was totally normal. It was COVID, so to meet, to, to meet online is normal. Um, 
but it was, it was during COVID, we were hosting, hosting life groups, um, and they wanted to join a life group, so they jo- joined us online. We didn't meet them for months, we just, in person, we just met online every week as we hosted a life group, um, and they were engaged at that time, and, and then they got married, um, and just before their one-year wedding anniversary, disaster struck, disaster struck, and Bernard, he passed away in a most tragic way, and it was, it was, it was, oh, we knew him well, we were friends with him, it was, it was a very hard thing to go through, a very difficult thing to process, and what we have seen in the months that have gone on is a Joshua story, I, I really, and I really, well, I say that, I say that from a deep place, is how much courage we have taken from Melissa's story that she has she hasn't gotten stuck in the wilderness i think there's been an opportunity to to disappear to head off to go and to and just disappear and yet she's decided to stay in the presence of god she's decided to to immerse herself in the presence of god she said on wednesday night just about keeping her eyes on jesus keep literally there's a line for her and keeping her eyes on him not on whatever is going on around her. She's got stuck into community. She's got stuck into life group, into, into joining here, into coming, coming, being a part of the community. And she's moving forward, even with the, the pain and the processing and the grief and all of that, stepping forward in her life. So, well, it's just, and I just wanted to share that this morning. It's a story of our community. But to me, it's a Joshua story. That's the, that's the spirit of Joshua. When, when, the, when the million are telling you to take a time out, to give yourself some time, to just to disappear, to do whatever, and yet you say, I don't want that for my life. I know that I need to step forward. I need to keep my eyes on Jesus. I need to keep my eyes on Him. We are all on some or other level. In some or other way, we are all stuck. We are. We're all stuck, and we're all needing to get unstuck to step into the promised land. And my encouragement to you this morning is, Let's step into his presence. Let's do that together. Let's step into his presence together. And let's get going with the Lord. Amen. That was an amazing sermon. If you would like to find out what your next step is, why don't you go to our website, lifechanges.org.za or follow us on social media to find out about what is happening in the life of our church. Life Changes Church, we love you. Have an amazing, amazing week.